Officer Swanson, don't forget to drink plenty of water with that. Thanks. Excuse me. Hi. I'm I'll be right with you, sir. Hi, I need a refill of this. I don't have a prescription. Sir, <laughs> please wait your turn. I know, I know, but th this is an emergency. Hey, buddy, ever heard of a lie? Hey, have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and beaten until you pissed blood? <laughs> Listen, I I'm sorry. I, I really need it. Thank you. Yes, thank you. <clears throat> thank you. Yeah, I, I, I need a refill of this. Do you have a prescription? Well, no, but see, my, my doctor, <clears throat> my shrink, he gave me these, and they're, they're samples of... Darn it! I, I can't remember the name. It's, oh, Prefex. Prefex something. I, I, I'm sorry, sir. Without yes. a prescription, there's nothing in here. Okay, but you see, I, I have the package. Yes, sir. So I'm clearly <clears throat> allowed to have them. Now, I just need four or five of them to cover me for the weekend. Let me see it. Thank you. And I am sorry, sir. These are supplements. What? This packet contains supplements, sir. No, no, no. My doctor gave those to me. They're, they're Prefex. They're supplements, sir. The they're, bullshit, they're man! Prefects! Aisle four, Prefects. sir. Did you call security? Mom and Dad went to a show. They dropped me off at Grandpa Joe's. I kicked and screamed, said please. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and welcome, people, to episode 128 of Dude and the Monkey. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Mark Foster, and as ever, I'm joined by... Ian Loring, hello. Uh, and we are here today to talk about The Visit. Um, we we didn't really know what we were going to talk about um, this week, uh, uh, so at one point we were going to do a commentary uh, of uh, Pixels, but then we decided uh, to do the visit as an actual review instead. Um, so we'll do that, we'll do some trailers, we'll do some uh, what we've been watching. I'll be honest, I've not got a lot because I've not had a chance to watch a lot. Uh, but we've also got some Twitter questions and we'll probably have the usual tangents and bits and bats uh, to go along with. Um, Ian, anything happened in the past sort of couple of, well, the past week or so in the world of film that we might need to discuss? No. No, it's been quite a quiet week, actually, hasn't it? Well, I, I think it's a really quiet week, or we've just fucking missed everything. I've been too busy on Mario Maker. Mario Maker? Yeah, what? what, what is this? You actually... It, is it just... Is it like a Mario Kart Maker, or is it just that like you make levels on Mario? Yeah, it's, it's basically... I bought a Wii U because I wanted Super Mario Maker, so I spent 250 quid. <laughs> but... Um, to, to, you know, to be fair, it's been a hard month 
and you deserved you know, a bit of a treat. Yeah, kinda, uh, kinda, and um, yeah, basically, it's just you can make two D Mario levels and like skin them as Mario for the NES, Mario Three for the NES, Mario World for the SNES, or uh, Super Mario U for the Wii U. So it's like the four different graphical styles, and. Uh, yeah, it's really easy to use. It's actually pretty fun. It's very quirky. And I'm currently making um, a Mario Maker concept album tribute to uh, Taylor Swift's 1989. <laughs> I've done the first two tracks so far. And um, I've, got, I've got three levels on there in total. Um, and uh, yeah... Um, on my Instagram, I've been taking photos of the... Like, the way you can find a course is either by typing in the title of the course or a course ID, yeah, and which is just like a random group of letters and numbers. It's a ball ache, but if anyone wants to try them... They're not great, because I'm only just starting, but um, you can find them. I'm at iLoring on um, Instagram, and uh, I'm there if anyone has a Wii U and they want to try them. And feel free to tweet me as well, anybody who's actually got it. Um because I want to try out specific people's courses. I think that'd be quite fun. It's it's a laugh, though. I, I made one where Donna actually called me a fucking prick. Because <laughs> um, cause I, fa- I, I, tri- I, I tricked her. You know you know, in Mario where, like, if he bumps those question mark boxes, it comes up with, like, power-ups power or yeah. points or whatever. Um, I just put, like, a, a Koopa in, in one of them. So she did it thinking she was going to get something, and then a Koopa just landed on her and killed her. Oh, you bastard. It was good. Fucking brick. <laughs> yeah, it was good. And I made one as well where the only way you can finish the level is that you've got to kill an enemy on a cloud and then get into the cloud and then basically drive the cloud over to the end. And that one is like, I think only 12% of people who have played it have completed it, which I'm actually quite pleased with. Fucking hell. So you're being, you're being that guy then? <laughs> yeah, the, the thing is, you have to complete the level yourself before it will let you upload it. All right. So, so you can't make an impossible level. Now that's interesting. Um, but yeah, so like it's it's great. You get notifications on there when people have played it, and you like people can comment on it, and it, it, it's cool as well. You can see where people have like died, so you get like a heat map <laughs> of like where the trickiest bits are. Uh, which which is awesome it's really 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 fun it's really fun it sounds actually yeah but is it worth 250 quid no the thing is there's there's a lot of games on the wii u i want to try out anyway but so it's like and also it's a good one for lottie to um kind of start up with so um because it's like nintendo it's all bright and colorful and whatnot yeah so um, yeah yeah so, uh, yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun, and, uh, yeah, my wife called me a fucking prick, so it's obviously doing something right. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I suppose it is. Um, that, that, that's like, she never calls me that for anything else, but, you know, for Mario Maker levels. So I'm glad it's Mario Maker levels and nothing else. Good, 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 good. Like, how, how are you? You um, you installed uh, quite the complicated-looking um, chimney flume thing the other day. Yes, I had a, I had a, 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 I had a, a, a very busy um, week um, last week. I had one day, one fitting that was a three-day fit where I had to knock down an entire chimney breast and then rebuild it in a corner. Um, and then I spent about six hours in a loft space of a 200-year-old house 
that was actually only like three and a half, four foot of loft space. Were, were you supposed to be there? I was supposed to be there, yes. Um, but this this loft had never been cleaned. So if you imagine like 300 years of spider webs <laughs> were in there. Bloody it, hell. On, and and I'm, I'm not kidding. It was it was like a comical um, a comical attic full of spider webs. There were just oh. plumps and just spiders everywhere. I was in the end. I had to just accept the fact that while I was sat, so I had to hold essentially um, this bit of pipe in place for an hour at one point. Well, all I had to do was just lay on my back and hold a piece of pipe for an hour while somebody else fixed it um, on the roof. Because we had to get it fixed, otherwise it kept on slipping out of place. But once we got it fixed and everything, it would be fine. So I'm having to hold this bit laid on my back, and I was, and after about a minute, I had like a couple of spiders crawl on my arm. And I'm not, I'm not bad with spiders, but I would never say I'm that great with them either. Yeah, yeah. But at that, I, I literally couldn't move. So I moved. Um, essentially, this bit of pipe could quite easily have knocked the guy who was on the roof off the roof. Jesus so Christ. So I it completely straight. So I just had to accept the fact that all these spiders were just crawling over me. And at one point, and I, it was a two-handed job, I had to hold it with two hands. At one point, I had this massive, and I'm talking, not, like it, it was a massive spider, but it was quite a really thin, massive spider, was just decided that it was going to just sit on my face. <laughs> so I was like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. So, no. um, yeah, uh, yeah. It was, it was, it, it was a fun, it was a fun three days. Sounds horrible. It was a little bit. Mm. Moving on. Yes, moving on. Um, oh, theory, me. Go on then. Uh, what trailers have you been watching this week, Ian? Only two. Only two. For some reason, I watched the Angry Birds trailer. Okay. I didn't even know there was an Angry Birds movie. Is that... Yeah. Um, it's quite funny. Like All the, the kind of comments on there were basically saying, you know, the hottest trailer from 2012 is here, um, <laughs> yeah, which, I, you know, was pretty good. Um, yeah. Um, Jason Sudeikis, Josh Gad, Bill Hader, others... Um, it's Angry Birds. It looks like it's about the origin of the birds' conflict with the pigs. An angry Brilliant birds origin story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's going to be great for five-year-olds and useless for everybody else, basically. <laughs> I don't really know why I watched it, but hey, I've, I've got a sinking feeling it could turn out to be like the first thing I go to see with, with Lottie in the cinema or something. And I'm, I'm, I'm aiming for like if Pixar have got something next summer, hopefully that instead but yeah angry birds and the the trailer for the big short um yeah yeah it looks like that's that's kind of caught people off guard um yeah like like apparently adam mckay like it screened for paramount and executives and they were like this is great can you actually like get this finished for awards consideration and adam mckay said yeah i think i can so you know they booked it in for i think new york film festival and yeah, you know, now it's suddenly getting a lot of heat, and it looks really interesting. Like, like the true story of like four kind of ordinary guys who basically came together to show the uh, the world was being like the banking world was being fucked over by essentially 
playing the system in a way that they were able to kind of bet on it being fucked over or something to prove a point. Uh, looks really interesting. Good cast. Um, McKay's interest. I mean, you know, McKay's had a, a, a sense of this for a while, you know, like the credit sequence for the other guys that's got yeah. all those facts and figures and the fact that the other guys is so kind of anti big banks and like establishment and whatnot, but in the guise of a comedy and, you know, I think sometimes that stuff kind of threatens to derail the other guys. It's a weird mix of what that film's actually trying to do. It's just like you've got those facts and figures at the end with like Rage Against the Machine play, and I think it was, where at, at the same time you also got Gators Bitches Better Be Wearing Jimmies. So, which is amazing. Don't get me wrong. I like the other guys more every time I watch it, like Step Brothers. But, you know, it it it, it, it does feel incongruous. But now... It looks like Adam McKay's going full bore into that, but it looks like he's not forgotten to actually make it entertaining as well. So I, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah I, I'll, I'll, I'll second that on that one. That's one of the ones I've, I've watched. It does. It's, it's interesting watching as well uh, a director essentially take a big kind of leap from from his comfort zone. Um, you know, doing comedy to join into doing something that. Yes, it looks like it could be very entertaining, but it's also tackling quite a sort of serious subject. And he's dealing with pretty, you know, weighty kind of actors here. Um, so it, it does look, it looks a little bit like a sort of movie that um, David Russell would attempt to take on or something like that. Yeah, sure. um, but it, it's a really fucking cool looking trailer. And like you say, it, the fact that they have gone, look, you've, you've got some here with that cast and the story and the style and everything like that, let's throw it out there in award season because it could cause some damage. And, you know, you look at it and go, I, I kind of hope it does. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I, um, I'm really, I'm really intrigued by it. Really intrigued. And also Christian Bale, was he playing younger? Cause I don't know. It looks like they've, made him like like him in that trailer he just looks like he's playing young and it kind of looks Im- impressive i think he's playing around about a little bit younger than he yeah i think he might be actually yeah like i i i, I don't know like his haircut it kind of looks like the kind of haircut jake gyllenhaal would have had like five ten years ago <laughs> yeah um but yeah no i'm i'm really really fucking looking forward to that yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm well on board with it. Well on board with it. Mm, mm. And, and you didn't see any other trailers because I'm done. Uh, yeah, the uh, trailer for Heist, um, starring um, Bobby De Niro as some kind of gangster uh, of some description um, who seems to run uh, a gambling uh, establishment, and it gets essentially the, the heist involved uh, run by Jeffrey Dean Morgan and David Beister. Uh, you've also got people like uh, Gina Caranis in there as well. Uh, there's a lot of other ones, you know, those, those flash where you go, huh, it's him. It's that guy. And you've got to kind of try and remember where you know him from, things like that. But I, I always think Jeffrey Dean Morgan is one of those actors that really should be in more and should be a lot better thought of because he's one of those actors who is always really good in films that are never either never appreciated or not quite as good as he is in them. Mm, that's a good way of putting it. Um, it. It always seems like the kind of actor that at some point is going to get the role where everyone goes, you know, he's great, and I. 
and it's mm. something like that. Um, and I know that they're, they're constantly trying to turn uh, the Dark Tower, uh, the Stephen King series, uh, into a, a selection of films, and he'd be perfect for the lead in that and things like mm. that. So it, it just seems to be a roll away. But I'll happily watch um, something like that. It looks quite entertaining. It's probably going to be a, a VOD one, that one, to be honest. Uh, the Big Shot, uh, I just watched that, which we spoke about. Truth, the uh, Kate Blanchett of Redford um, film. Uh, oh, yes, okay, yeah. Yes. Um, coming from somebody who has a little bit of a fucking tin ear for, for Kate Blanchett, I a like the fact bit. that you she's... You fucking hate Kate I, I do. My issue with Kate Blanchett is I think she's a very good actress who constantly attempts to do something that she doesn't need to. She goes too far with it. Um, it's nice that she's in a film where she isn't wearing a wig and she isn't doing a voice. And that makes me go, do you know what? I, it, she's probably going to be really fucking good in this. The same as she was really fucking good in Blue Jasmine. Because yeah. she was doing a bit of a voice, but it was only a bit of a voice, and she wasn't wearing a wig. So it, it, it was good there. She isn't constantly trying to be a character. But yeah, Truth looks like it could be really quite entertaining. It looks like it could be one of those... It looks like it could be a really good Sunday night movie. Okay, okay. So I'm 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 up for that. Um, Back in time, the um, Back to the Future documentary. Yeah. Uh, it's a Back to the Future documentary. You know what's not to like on that? Um, it's either going to tell you nothing you didn't already know, but it's going to be entertaining, or it could be quite insightful. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see you know, when you've got talking heads and they are the actual people who made the movie and actually people who were around the movie when it was made. And it's not just a bunch of um, fanboys who couldn't get access to, you know, the big players. You know, you've got um, Zemeckis is on there, Michael J. Fox is on there, Spielberg's um, talking about it, things like that. It could be quite an interesting, an interesting watch. It's not something I'd go and see in a cinema, but I'll happily watch it at home when it comes out on Netflix. Oh, fair enough. Mm. Um, Nasty Baby. Have you heard about this one? No. Sebastian Silver uh, film. Oh, um, uh, the the magical cactus and the woman and the big bus. What was that called? Uh, magic, magic and um, cactus. Cactus. Magic cactus. I've seen this film as well, and I can't. Fairy and. What was it called? Crystal Fairy and the Magic Fa- Ca- Magical Cactus. It, yeah, there was Cactus in the title. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, yeah he's made a film called Nasty Baby uh, that stars uh, Kirsten Wigg uh, and himself. He's also in it, I think, um, Sebastian Silver, uh, mm-hmm. Ali Sharkat and some other people. Um, which seems to be you've got a gay couple who are trying to use Kristen Wigg uh, as a surrogate for their kid. Um, and it looks like it's this drama, and then all of a sudden, it's you know a drama but with, with with tinges of kind of comedy in there. Then all of a sudden, on the screen, you start getting in flashing red and um, black and white the word nasty, and then this like trance music, and then baby, and then trance music for like fifteen seconds. Right. Okay. Like, where did that come from? Why you've got this this floaty looking, you know, standard kind of bog standard drama to be honest uh, that's there, 
And then all of a sudden, you've you've tried to do it as if fucking Gaspar Noé has directed your credit sequence. It is it honestly, it is really really jarring. Uh, watch it. It looked the film looked as dull as all hell. <laughs> but then there's these really fucking weird credits just going as the word nasty and baby flashes up. I, I, I can't work out what's going on. Okay. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's that, uh, which just seems like that part of the credits might be more entertaining than the entire fucking movie. Uh, and Meadowland, the uh, one that's got a lot of buzz for Olivia Wilde, where she'll end up winning a load of, like, fucking Sundance and a load of independent screen awards and everything like that, but nobody will see the movie. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Especially with that kind of title as well. That's just pretty yeah, exactly. like an indie festival film, it, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's it for trailers. Um, wasn't at the cinema, so um, didn't see anything anything there. Which is interesting, given that the, the film we're, what, uh, we're reviewing. Um, did you just miss the trailers at the cinema? No, I saw it a week ago. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're already spoke about all that. Uh, Sorry about so, that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we shall get into uh, the visit. We don't do fucking trailers anymore on this, do we? Anyway, so uh, the visit. Uh, it's a Blumhouse uh, production, uh, but it is directed by M Night Shyamalan. Um, so this is, which is strange because let's be honest, this is his what uh, you know a major major feature films. Um, it's what is six or seven? Um, uh, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, The Village, Lady in the Water, The Happening, Last Airbender, After Earth. So this is ninth. Ninth, I reckon. Ninth, yeah. But actually, could, could you count Wide Awake? Wide Awake. Is oh it? yeah, no, you totally could. Tenth. Yep, tenth. This is, this is his. This is his eleventh film. Then. No, this is his tenth. Yeah, yeah. Wide Awake, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, The Village, Lady in the Water, The Happening, Last Airbender, After Earth. And yeah, this is his tenth film. So it, it's it, it, it's it's strange for a director to be making his tenth movie, you know, and it being this this type of movie, uh, especially when said director has made films that have grossed a lot of money. But it, it, he has kind of fallen from that very high plateau that he, that he himself kind of put himself on, uh, and then he, he he's wound up in the comforting embrace of, of Bloomhouse, which we are both big fans of, aren't we? Yeah, boy. Um, story is you've got um 15 year old and a i think is he 12 yeah something like that yeah it's a 15 year old girl and a 12 year old boy we're going to stay with their grandparents for a week uh they've never met their grandparents um because their mother had a a big fight with her with them before they were born they've now reconnected uh by the magic of the internet um and they've said they want to get to know their grandkids uh, so they have been sent to spend a week with their grandparents for the first time ever. Uh, and the girl of the of these two kids, uh, Rebecca, is treating it as to make some kind of documentary film, hence the found footage motif, um, where she's going to sort of try and find out what happened because she doesn't know why her mother fell out with her parents and there was this big event uh, that caused them to to not speak for 15 years. So she's trying to 
to find out, you know, what happened there, but also document the first time that she meets her grandparents. So they go off there. And what I'm going to say, guys, is we are all spoilers all of the time. So this is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Ian, um, what did you think of The Visit? Um... I, I had a good time watching it. Um, I won't lie. Um, it's It's got some kind of terrible stuff in there, or at least one moment in particular, um, which I thought was really, really, really misjudged. But um, I will just say it, the, the, the wrapping over the credit sequence. Um, Is that the bit that you say was really misjudged? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because you've got the scene with Catherine Hahn which I thought was actually really nicely played and quite a, like a, a slow kind of downbeat melancholy end for the film, which I, I really liked where, you know, the whole kind of thing of, you know, if you've got shit left unsaid with relatives, don't leave, don't leave it unsaid, you know, and um, particularly with like events in my life over the last month or so, yeah. that's been, you know, something that's kind of been in, in mine and my sister's heads. So, um, you know, I thought that was really nicely played and I thought Catherine Hahn did a really good job selling that. And, um, you know, the kind of the, I liked the fact that like the revelation of what happened, you know, was it's not anything too histrionic. It's no, it wasn't too overblown. It, it, yeah, it was very it could happen to anybody. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I, I, I really liked that. But then I, in a way, I thought it was interesting that over the credits, you know, like Shyamalan's trying to like let people go out on a bit more of a of a high, and it's kind of you know the fact that you're kind of seeing this kid's reactions to the whole thing. It's to basically try and deal with it through his kind of rapping or whatever. You know, I, I, I thought was all right, but it's just like I don't know. He's talking about nappies and you know make, making light of the whole thing. It just if 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 the two scenes weren't right next to each other, I think I might be I might be more comfortable with it. But it kind of just ruined what I thought was a really nice ending. And then and it's just like you just got to go for the laugh, and that's the thing. Like the visit goes for the laugh a lot, and it works quite a lot. But when it doesn't work, it's kind of terrible. Hmm. Um, but I you know I thought this the the scares were actually pretty good. I thought the twist was all right. It doesn't. It kind of doesn't make sense. No. Um, but, I, I, you know, I didn't guess it. Did you? Yeah. What, really? Okay, yeah. fair enough. No, I I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, because they, they kind of slightly fake you out because, you know, you've got the weird shit happening at night and the grandma, like, crawling around <laughs> under the house. I thought that hide-and-seek scene was terrific, by the way. Yeah, that, 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 that's a, that's a, yeah, it's quite an effective scene, that. And it, it, it kind of makes you think, okay, are they possessed or is there a supernatural type thing going on? Hmm. So for it to end in... I mean, in a way, I was glad it didn't end with it in a supernatural way. You know, it's just it, it, it kind of... It is what it is. Um, I mean, that's kind of Shyamalan's skill in a, in a way, really, of making these kind of somewhat overblown kind of ideas and visuals and whatnot actually be very down to earth in what they actually are. Like you, you look at the sixth sense and the whole kind of, I see dead people is dealt with not in it, not in an overblown way. It's very matter of fact and unbreakable. The, like the superhero stuff, it just, 
it, it again it's very matter of fact it just seems quite appropriate in an ordinary world you know so it's it's something that he he does i mean the happening is obviously fucking retarded um and it, you know he goes for the comedy there that's an example of where he goes for comedy and completely fucks the dog hmm. um but here I, I i don't know it's it's certainly it's not perfect and I think it is just a one watch, but I, I, and I thought it was a solid enough one watch. What, what do you think, man? Um, I think that if this is a a debut film, or it's a second movie by uh, a director, I think it's the bits where it goes wrong and it doesn't work can quite easily um, be kind of forgiven uh, as this is a filmmaker kind of finding his feet or anything like that. When it's a filmmaker that's been making movies for nearly, you know, coming up two decades, um, I, I think some of the some of the missteps are just plain confusing. Um, in the how do you not know that this isn't this isn't very good? And much of that is the is pretty much the last fifteen minutes of the movie, which I thought was just god awful um, and, and frankly embarrassingly bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? I I mean I like the artsy scene. That I I thought that was really funny. Which which one? The where they're playing Yahtzee. The Yahtzee scene was 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 about the moment where I was not too bad, but then from there it just goes off a fucking cliff. Oh, the fucking discussion they have about like oh there's something about Milton Bradley and she's like, well, Milton Bradley doesn't make it anymore. It's Hasbro and he's all pissed off about it. I don't know. I I I. I I yeah, it was odd. It made me laugh. Yeah, I, I, it didn't. It, it, the thing is, I was, I was enjoying it as a. This is interesting. This is interesting. This is interesting. And then it, and it's something that does get labelled at, at Shaolin. Is that he's constantly looking to outsmart his audience. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, like constantly, and, it, and then, and the thing is, you know. It, Sometimes it, it you know it works and you can throw you this curveball and you go you know oh fucking hell but there's bits where it go where it does it and you go hmm all right I, I, and it, you kind of get the feeling that there's an often thing we've said before is that it, you should never think that you're smarter than a filmmaker because most people aren't because a lot of the filmmakers unless it's a fucking McGee film or a fucking yeah. Brett Ratner film, then you probably are smarter than that person. But I get the feeling with M. Night Shyamalan that it, 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 he's kind of he's taken on board this I'm the master of the twist. And the one thing that has to be said about uh, his career is it, he's, his ego has been his biggest fucking problem. You know, you wouldn't have to fucking look at the fucking Lady in the Water where he quite literally casts himself and writes himself as the saviour of the fucking world. Um, and it, it just, it felt like he was just thinking that he was being really clever. And it was like, uh, really? And then it, you've gone, you've gone all that way and you've built up and then is that it? Hmm. You're not even going to, oh, that's it. That it's just, oh, they killed him and they're in the basement and now you're going to have to try and get away from them, which we know they're going to because they're kids. So, all right. Okay, this is just this is just I, I I'm now just waiting for this film to finish rather than enjoying how it is finishing, and it, it just felt a little 
it felt a little pointless towards the end. And then just a little dull, really. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think it may be, I thought it was interesting, but the fact that weird shit starts happening really early on and then it's just the weird shit kind of rumbles on for about an hour or so, an hour and ten, and then you've got the, that's not your grandparents, and then it kind of moves up a gear. I, I liked that it kind of kicked off so early. Um, you know, like the hide-and-seek sequence, that's got to be in the first half hour. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's straight, just, I, seriously, I thought that was a great scene. Um, it is, and also as well, I, I think the delivery of, uh, when when she's showing the um, when she when they're showing the the, the, the parents uh, the grandparents and they go whoa, 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 wait wait that's not your grandparents I thought that was that although you know personally I thought that it was that I had already kind of worked that out that that was a strong possibility I thought that actual scene was actually done really quite well. Yeah, I mean, because Catherine Hahn kind of plays it in a way where she knows that she can't do well. freak, like, yeah, and also not completely freak them out. So she's not like, get out of the house, get out of the house. She's like, right, kids, I've got something to tell you. They're not your grandparents. How long have they been here for? Okay, they've been there all week. Okay, I'm on my way. Phone the police. You know, it, it, you know. It was really nice seeing Catherine Hahn not being zany Catherine Hart. Yeah, comedy Catherine Hart. Because, yeah, because I, yeah, I, as, sure. a, as a comedic performer, I think she can be, she can on occasions be very funny, but she can also on occasions be, you think you're funny. Yeah. You're, yeah, yeah. you know, a little bit like, um, oh shit. What's, I can't Amy Poehler? No, okay. it's, it's a guy. Okay. The big guy. They're off again. The big, the big guy. The big guy who in 21 Jump Street plays the gym coach. Jonah Hill. Oh. Rob Riggle. Rob Riggle, yeah. A little bit like him. A little bit like, like a female version of him. But then when she's playing straight, it was like, she's actually really, fu- she's actually really fucking good. Mm, she's mm. actually a really quite a good actress. I'd like to see her in more straight roles. Yeah, totally. I mean, she she doesn't get a lot to do, but I I think she kind of she pretty much sells every scene she's she's in actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I mean, that's I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, the thing is, there's nothing in there which just kind of like smacks you over the head and goes, "This is awesome." But I thought for the most part, for the most part, I was I was into it. I I was intrigued to see where it was going to go, and you know, some of the some of the stuff in there. Uh, I, 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 the, the, the one bit, oh my god! They, you know, they've set up the fact that the kid doesn't like germs and stuff, and then when the fucking granddad says like, "You've got to think about germs, haven't you?" and then just stuffs that shitty adult nappy in his face. Yeah, that, it, yeah, it, but that just just didn't work for me. To be honest. Oh man, I thought that was like I could imagine like th- that. Oh bloody hell, that got me actually. Yeah, it just. I don't know. For some reason, it just, it just, it from that moment, it, it just kind of, it had, it had lost me a little bit by that point. Um, I mean, the two kids were, were all right. Um, the, yeah, they were, they, they were fine. They were fine. De, De Young, who plays um, Rebecca, I thought was very good. Uh, the kid who played Tyler, 
was a little bit irritating. I think he was supposed to be irritating. Yeah, he's the he's the younger brother with the the like infuse the, with the enthusiasm. I think it is what it is, isn't it? Really? Yeah, you know, and I, you know, even if that kid is just an irritating little shit like that in real life, it's good casting. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. At the very worst, it is just good casting. Mm. Um, so they work quite well. Um, you know, the the, the cast of grandparents work quite well, but. It seemed to it seemed to throw a lot of balls up in the air and then think that it was gonna go all right while you while you while you're waiting to catch all those I'm gonna do I'm gonna do this and then you go they're more interesting every one of those balls that is in the air is more interesting than what you've just done hmm. uh, because like you say it, it's never really explained you know why you know they, they, well it is explained why they did it. It's, but it, it's very much a throwaway line. And it's really like, it's a fucking, you know, you could have done more with that. You could have done more. Yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 mean, I like, I, I thought it was kind of interesting, the idea of, um, you know, chuck, uh, chucking her kid in a suitcase in the lake and, you know, she never got to be a, a grandma. I, you know, I thought that was quite a creepy idea. I mean, it's just... It's just the fact that it, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, how the fuck did they even get there and manage to kill them? How did no one seem to notice that yeah. they, had, they had escaped the asylum? And they go, don't they drive drive past it or, or the, the institution? Don't they drive past it at some point? Yeah. And it's just like, you know, are you actually wanting to get caught? Um. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, there's an awful lot of stuff you could say there, but I, 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 you know, I thought it was an interesting idea. I, I thought it was quite creepy. I mean, it doesn't really play up the creepy enough because I think Shyamalan's kind of also obsessed with being funny as well as as, as creepy. Yeah. Um, but it it worked it worked well enough for me overall. But like I said at the start, I've got a feeling it's only ever going to be a one watch. I don't see myself ever ever going back. To- it. No, I don't see the point in ever rewatching this movie. Fair enough. Ever. Um, I, didn't, I, I didn't hate it, uh, but I, I just... It, 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 it's something that I watched, it happened. Uh, um, if somebody ever says, oh, the visit, what was it like? I'd go, eh, it's alright. It, mm. You know, I didn't like it, but you might like it. You know, I... I I'm not a huge fan of, of, of his work. I, I, I think that He's managed to be a, an incredibly overrated director. When, and then when you actually look back at his body of work, there's an awful lot of shit in it. So how the hell has he got to be rated as highly as he is? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's just the fact that this only costs $5 million. And it's the, it's the Blum way. It's the, right, I will give you this money. You will have creative freedom, but you've got to meet these particular rules. And Shyamalan met them. He turned the film in. And it's in terms of like the um, the ratio of budget to revenue, it's his is probably his most successful film since I don't know Unbreakable or even The Sixth Sense maybe or Signs at least. The uh, happening made made money. If yeah, but I, I mean, like, did, did, like what was it? All right, let's go on the old. Bo- let's do our weekly go on to box office mojo to have a look at some shit. <laughs> so the happening, all right, okay, the happening. I think it tripled its budget. Right, forty-eight million dollar budget. 
It did 163 million worldwide. Okay, so that's what. That's just less than four times its budget. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, right, so what's the visit at at the moment then? Right. The visit's at about 50 million, I think. So it's made 10 times its budget. S- 66 million. 66, fucking hell. Yeah, so it's made over 13 times its budget. Which, which you know, is a hell of a return. That's, so that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, um, it, 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 it's pound for pound so far. It, it, it's, you know, it's probably his most successful movie since Signs, maybe? I, uh, I had a, yeah. Six cents. I just had a look at Signs. and no, I mean, Signs made money, but not like 13 times. Yeah. Um, no, The Village did four and a half times its budget worldwide. Yeah, Six Cents has got to be, though, because that fucking thing made so much money. Yeah, it, it, made, a, it made a lot of money. It made like... Yeah, six seven five or something like that. Production budget forty million worldwide, six hundred and seventy two. So that's a fucking that's a hell of a success. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Mm. Fair play. Um, God, can you imagine a Bruce Willis film ever doing six hundred and seventy million at the at the worldwide box office ever again? No, no. It, it, it would it would it would be one of nature's greatest fucking miracles. <laughs> like seriously, what did a good day to die hard do? Sorry, I'm going down the rabbit hole a little bit. I'll stop in a sec. Good day to die hard did 304 million off. The I'm, night I'm amazed they did that. I'm yeah that. And I didn't hear that. It, it did that because it came out in February. Yeah, yeah. That's why it did that. Yeah. 92 million dollar budget. It made 304 million. So yeah, that fucking made money. Yeah, it did. Bloody hell. You'd have to really go somewhere for a dyad movie to not make money. Wow. Um, so anyway, the visit. Sounds like we're done. <laughs> uh, I, I'm at a... I'm touching cloth with it, to be honest. Just because... You, you sounded like you were definitely shit on it. I, I know, but... I don't... No, I am. Yeah, I am. You're right. I'm definitely shit on it. It, it is shit. Other people might enjoy it, but I thought it was shit. There we go. There you go. There Wait, you go. And are, you, are, you, are you definitely not shit on it? Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. I didn't say, did I? I, I am. I am certainly definitely not shit on it. I, I had, I had a decent time with it. Like I say, never going to watch it again. Can't say, I can't scream to people that I recommend it, but I, I wouldn't lie and said I didn't as well. So I'd say go. I, I'd say check it out. Cool. Right. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> right, Ian. Uh, what have you been watching this week then? Uh, yeah, so I've got um, a few things. God, we're racing through today, aren't we? Fair no, play. Um, I, I, I have very little to talk about, so, so you need to you need to fucking fill. <laughs> that's all right, man. Like, we won't artificially extend this shit. Um, yeah, so actually, I'll talk about Pixels, you know, because we were going to um, do it. Um, I mean, it was my suggestion of doing a commentary track for Pixels because I figured I was going to loathe it. Um, so I thought it might be good to get some shit off my chest and I thought Mark might actually like it so we could have had a bit of a to-do but um, I actually didn't think it was that bad it's I mean it's not great it's touching cloth but considering I was thinking it was like bottom 10 of the year material you know I'd say touching cloth is a is a success a resounding success Um, so the story for those who don't know I suppose um, uh, a pro like a a, a a rocket gets sent up into space with cultural artifacts from the 80s including video games an alien race sees them as a challenge and uh basically comes down to earth to uh, compete against uh earth in a series of 80s video games but kind of in real life 
um, and only Adam Stanler and um, Peter Dinklage, Josh Gad and Kevin James as the president of the United States uh, can uh, stop them. Um, yeah, Sandler looks really horrible. Yeah, Sandler looks really bored. Sandler looks um, bored for about the past five or six years. Yeah, I, yeah, no, he has. Like, he just looks tired. <laughs> um, <laughs> he does actually, doesn't he? Yeah, it's just, I, I, like, I need a rest. Can I do Grown Ups Free where we just go to the Bahamas or something, please? Um, yeah. Maybe it's because he had to. Maybe it's because he had to do stuff in this film rather than literally just sit and shout out one-liners. Here, here's the point, right? He has to do stuff here. He has to do basically stunt driving. Um, he has to run and jump and swing virtual hammers uh, and and shoot things and all sorts. And my question is. He might be good at video games. He might know the patterns, as he keeps on saying. There's a scene where he's watching a kid play The Last of Us, and he's just like, "This is this is shit. What is this? You know, there's no pattern here. You know, where, where you know, where's the story? It's just blood." And it's like, right, this is a Sony-made film, and they're showing The Last of Us, and they're basically saying The Last of Us is shit. The Last of Us is a, you know, I'm getting more into games, but still. It's a game that I've played through twice. And, like, I don't do that. Yeah, and I didn't even like it that much first time through. But it is wildly regarded as one of the one of the classic, you know, games of all time nowadays. Yeah, yeah. This is, it's, it's it will go down in, in, in history, really, as a game that did as much narratively as a really, really, really solid film or TV series. It's as much, if not more, about its story than it is about the gameplay. So to have Adam Sandler going, and like, you know, what is this? This is, you know, this is horrible. It's just, I, I, I just, I wonder, I, I wonder where the, the writers were particularly coming from. It's a small point, but anyway, he... Like, he knows the patterns and whatnot. He's got the reactions. But he's literally physically got to take part in these challenges. He's playing Pac-Man with, like, him in a car, like, as a ghost from Pac-Man. But basically doing stunt driving. Um, he's playing Donkey Kong at the end. And he's jumping over the barrels. And Michelle Monaghan's doing fucking backward kick flips. It's... Which is fine. Because it's Michelle Monaghan. And the thing is, they actually, she plays an officer in the military or the Navy or something. You know, I don't think the film even knows what, what like, branch she is in. <laughs> but it, it, it slightly more makes sense for Michelle Monaghan's character. Adam Sandler's none whatsoever. You've got Kevin James running around this Donkey Kong board, jumping over barrels and stuff. Uh, the only time could, could... Kevin James would ever be able to jump over a barrel is if there's a fucking 90-ounce steak challenge in front of him and he's in a hurry. Yeah. You know. It is. Can you imagine how many doctors had to be on standby for just just in case his heart just gave up? I'm sure it was a CG Kevin James, Frank. <laughs> you know, like... I, they probably had to spend a fair bit of their visual effects budget to realistically portray Kevin James jumping over a virtual barrel. Yeah, and, and, and to and, and then to actually take out all the sweat beads. <laughs> oh my god! 
Yeah, even his virtual model sweated. <laughs> um, so you know, you've got you've got that stuff, and it it it's just whatever. You know, Sandler looks bored. Michelle Monaghan's character is is pretty terrible. Like, I think her first scene in the film, or at least, or maybe her second scene, is her crying in a cl- in a cupboard because her husband's left her drinking wine. And, and that, that's about all the character development you get with her. It's 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 brutal. Um, so and oh and also um, a wo- woman is a literal trophy in the game. Even though it's not a woman, it's Cuba who turns himself into a woman because Josh Gad is pissed off that his video game woman disappeared. So Cuba turns himself into virtual woman for Josh Gad to fuck. And a spoiler alert, there's a scene right at the end where Josh Gad comes home. It's a year later. He comes home uh, and he's like, how are my little ones doing or something? And it's a bunch of baby Cubits jumping around all over the place. It's fucking terrifying. That's, that's weird. That's all it's re- weird. Like, it's just stra- it's like, right. Because Adam Sandler actually comments when when Q-Bert turns into the turns into the woman and makes out with Josh Gad, he's like, "Can nobody else see how weird this is?" But then they kind of out weird it by having. I, 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 it's actually creeping me out just thinking about it. Um, but you've got that. But then you've also got Peter Dinklage as Fire Blaster. Um, he can't seem to decide what accent he wants to do. But there's a running joke with with one of his demands for helping save the Earth is that he wants to arrange a threesome with Martha Stewart and Serena Williams in the White House. <laughs> and th- they actually run with it, and it's it's pretty solid. Um, it's just, it's a really... I mean, I mean, and also the action sequences aren't that bad, actually. It's directed by Chris Columbus. He knows his way around a CG action sequence, and and they're fine. So it's just this really, really weird mishmash of, like, kiddie toilet humour and action sequences and Q-Bert being all cute before he turns into a woman. Um, and kind of fucked up jokes and weird dark comic stuff which I'm actually genuinely that Cubert thing's like it's just it's staying in my mind now and I've got a feeling I'm gonna have a nightmare about it tonight now <laughs> so it just it, it doesn't know what it wants to be it, it's trying to be it's trying to appeal to like 80s video game fans but it's also trying to appeal to eight-year-olds but it can't really appeal to eight-year-olds because it's got jokes about Peter Dinklage wanting to have a, a, Marth- a, a Stuart Williams sandwich, I think he calls it. Uh, you know, so it's... That's yeah. Strange. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't know what it wants to be. But at the same time, considering it might just be me coming at it from ultra, ultra low expectations, I didn't think it was that bad, but I still wouldn't recommend anyone actually see it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I mean, like, I can do comment. It's not that bad, but just don't fucking watch it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I've so, seen it, so you don't have to. Yeah, I d- well, you know, the Cuba bit is just—you don't need to see it now because otherwise you'll never unsee that. Um, okay, uh, so I, I rewatched Mad Max Fury Road 
you know, it's Mad Max Fury Road, isn't it? So, hey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. And um, I'll do one more and then I'll throw it over to you for, for your ones and then I've got a couple after. Um, uh, for your eyes only. Um, I'm getting through the bonds. Um, this is the Roger Moore one, which after Moonraker, they kind of thought, right, we need to dial this down a bit. Um, and at times it's so low key that it, it, it feels sleepy. Um, it's it's really like they they completely tone down the the kind of the, the extravagance of it all. There's nothing in space or anything like that. It's quite a, a low level conflict in the end of the day. Um, and there's like twists about who the bad guy is that you don't get in a lot of Bond films up to this point. Um, but it's also got a Bill Conti score. Yeah, it's Bill Conti, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, which, which is odd. Um, you've got the start of the film where Roger Moore drops Blofeld down a chimney. Um, and it ends with Margaret Thatcher having a conversation with a parrot. <laughs> so, like, it's... I get it kind of like pixels. I never thought anyone would ever con- uh, connect pixels to for your eyes only, but here we go. It doesn't really know what it wants to be. Um, it's trying like, cause it starts with Roger Moore visiting the grave of Diana Riggs character from on her majesty's secret service. Mm. But, but then five minutes later, it's got bomb dropping um, Blofeld down a chimney. So that that's kind of a microcosm. The pre-credits bit is a microcosm with the rest of the film. And you got the, like Bill Conti kind of guitar, wah, wah, guitar kind of bond theme going on. And, um, yeah, but I don't know. It's kind of quiet and loud and often weirdly, like at the same time, tonally it's, it's all over the place. It's the, it's kind of the one that Roger Moore apologists kind of say, look, yeah, but more did for your eyes only, but it's no from Russia with love and it's no one of Majesty's secret service in, in terms of like the, the lower key bonds, it's minor lower key. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for your eyes only, it's, I still enjoyed it. Um, it's got some decent action sequences. It's also got bond actually refusing to fuck a woman. Oh, um, yeah. Um, which I mean, to be fair, like the the girl in it, she's 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 young, and but I don't I don't think I don't think she's supposed to be underage, but she's certainly supposed to be young. Um, but it's weird. It's it, it's actually I suppose it's less weird than seeing Roger Moore make out with her, but it's weird that Bond is actually kind of refusing As to standards. do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, exactly. It's weird that Bond has standards. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, let's, let's go over to you, bud. Back. Nice. Right, um, yes, so, um, I, um, when the, the sad news came out that uh, Wes Craven had died, um, I wanted to sort of go back and watch a couple of his, his movies sort of over, but not try and cram them all into a week, so I was going to sort of like watch one, one a week or something like that, you know, when I got sort of round to it, and I've had a very insanely busy week this week, and then I was away, um, at, uh, Claire's, um, Noel's wife's um, 30th birthday party on Saturday night, so I was away for the majority of the weekend with, with, with that and stuff like that, so not a lot of time to watch stuff, but I did manage to cram in Scream um, 
And it's a funny one screen because, I mean, like, I'm not going to tell people what the screen's about because everyone fucking knows. But it's one of those films where I remember watching when it first came out and really enjoying it. Um, and then I didn't watch it for maybe 10, 12 years after that. And then I watched it again and thought, it's all right. Um, and then I watched it a couple of years ago and enjoyed it. And then I'm, it's one of those films now where every time I watch it, I'm getting more and more out of it, to be honest. And starting to think, this is actually a ridiculously, you know, when you take it at the context of when it was made um, and what sort of superseded it and what was what um, preceded it, it really is just such a well-crafted and such a well-put-together, well-cast movie um, where it's only actual major downfall of the actual film, which isn't even major because it's it, it, it should be major, but the rest of the film is so strong, is the fact that... It, it its central character um, in um, Sidney Prescott it is possibly the most irritating character in the entire thing. She's she's not that. She's never endearing to the audience, I don't think. Um, you never kind of get by on her side because she's always pitched as being a little bit kind of prickly. But then again, that that's just the way that the film wants it to be seen. Um and the more you watch it, the, the more times you watch it, the more you realise that Craven's almost basically saying, look, here's this central character who isn't subscribing to the natural truth, but also is a little bit of a twat. And maybe that is why all these you know, bad things are happening to her. But she's just, she manages to buff them off, essentially. Mm. But it's, there's so many sort of like different bits. I know I've watched Stream five or six times um, over near 20 years um, but you, I'm still getting sort of new kind of nuances that come through it etc and even after that many watches it's still at point it, you know is ridiculously entertaining and it still ticks along at a fucking wicked pace and yes, I mean it's been preceded by some fucking terrible sequels but it, it still really does hold its own as being an actual proper kind of classic of the of the sort of slasher film genre, which is strange in the fact that it's made near 20 years after the genre essentially started its, you know, its ascent, and really kind of like 10 years after it started its fucking descent <laughs> down. Uh, but it still stands up as being a, a really great film, and it's amazing that what happened after it is essentially it just became a... You know, we'll keep these characters, and then who else is you know hot right now in the MCV stratosphere? We'll throw them at it um, for the sequels. Yeah, I mean that's the, yeah, I mean especially like Sarah Michelle Gellar in, in Scream Two, yeah, where it kind of feels like she just did it in a weekend off of Buffy or something like that, you know. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Buffy was on then, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was a- yeah, yeah. Because, um, I, I, I mean, that, that kind of thing was copied by, like, Urban Legend having Joshua Jackson in it. And yeah. I know what you did last summer with Jennifer Love Hewitt and whatnot. And, um, you know, who's the kind of the comedy guy in I Know What You Did Last Summer? Like, the like the best friend guy. Is there one? Uh, I'm not sure. Like, Sarah Michelle Gellar's in I Know What You Did Last Summer as well, isn't she? Yes, yeah, she is, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, there's, 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 there's Freddie Prince Jr. plays the nice guy. Yeah. Who's um, the... To Ryan Philippe's arsehole. Oh, there's a nice guy and an arsehole, but not a comic relief guy. Yeah. Right, okay. 
Did you ever see I'll Always Know What You Did last summer? Yes, I have. How is that? Terrible. Really? Yeah. Isn't it that one? It's actually is actually supernatural. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at least they sh- shook things up with that a bit. Because I mean, like Urban Legends Two um, is an interesting one as well because it's directed by um, isn't it directed by John Ottman? Uh, and it's yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it kind of it ends with the Alfred Hitchcock presents tune over the credits. Yeah. And it's like this weird, really film aware, like kind of pastiche. Uh, I need to rewatch Urban Legend 2. I don't think anyone's ever said that. Uh, I've, I've, I've watched it a couple of times, to be honest. Uh, but then again, I, I am one of the few people in the world that, that actually owned a copy of Urban Legend 3 Bloody Mary. Bloody so, Mary. God, yeah, I haven't even seen that. You don't. You don't have to. No one has yeah. to. Uh, that, that, like Pixels, is what I watched for the rest of the world. Yeah, nice. nice. I took that hit. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was... The thing is, there was like this little kind of barrel, essentially, of of movies that kind of that formed after Scream. So you had like the Urban Legend ones and the I Know What You Did series, and then from there they sprouted more, and it kind of it went on like that until kind of like the the early noughties, where you know then you had the essentially you know you had American cinema and Western audiences basically you know took on um, you know what was going on in you know, with J-horror and then you had, you had, you had, you had French um, horror and sort of like started to come out there and, you know, horror there was then went back um, from being that, you know, the polished and the, you know, the frat house things uh, went to be more sort of nastier and a little bit it more, took that, that edge back on it. And it, it was more about being scary and being unnerving than it was about, right, we need to have these tropes. We need to have it be young, beautiful people in peril. Mm, mm. Uh, so yeah, sort of scream. Uh, the other one I watched um, was I watched Minions. <laughs> um, now you are a, a, a big fan of Minions, aren't you? The, as, as, yeah, I, yeah. As the characters, yeah, I, I I like the film. I'm not a big fan of the film. I like the film. Um, they make me laugh. I just find them funny. There's nothing wrong with that. The minions. Come on, then kill my fucking joy, Mark. The minions. I think the minions, as, as characters are fine. I think they they, they had way too much exposure, um, and, but it worked because the movie made you know an incredible amount of money off you know a relatively small budget really like i think around 75 million and it, 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 you know it's now one of the top 10 grossing movies of all time i think uh, in minions which is incredible and then when you when you counteract into that all of the merchandising etc it, it, you know they are possibly up there with fucking star wars characters as some of the biggest money-making film characters of all time it, it, it's incredible they're a, they're a money-making machine uh, and they happen to be quite a funny money making machine uh, in the fact that people will go, oh, and they're going to make a, a Minions 2. Whereas nobody's going to go, hmm, Despicable Me 3. Um, and at points, I was really enjoying Minions. I don't think at any point during it, the good thing about it is, it's only 91 minutes long. And that's not me saying, what is it? it 
it's because it doesn't fall into a trap of trying to do too much. It wants to get in there, tell a bit of the story, and have fun with these characters, and go, boom, there you go. By the way, this world's ridiculous, but that's it. And that works. But the times when I enjoy this film more is when there's more than just the three of them. And there's loads of them, and they're doing crazy stuff. That makes more sense. When it was three of them, it started to be, all right, so I'm having to get to know these three out of all of them. And it didn't quite work as well for me. And I'll admit that it, it was at 52 minutes was the first time I looked at my watch and then paused it and went, yeah, I'm 52 minutes in and this joke's kind of run out now for me. And it was almost like I was happy watching them go about doing, you know, the fish out of water essentially thing of going around New York. It was then when you tried to have them go on an adventure within an, within an adventure that it started to lose me. I didn't care about them going to England to try and steal the crown jewels. It, it just, I would have been just happy them wandering around New York, seeing various sites and having stupid things happen. And essentially it being the minions, I, I didn't lend themselves better to a TV series, but TV series don't make as much fucking money like this. Yeah, I mean, if if like so, like maybe if they'd gone more the Sean the Sheep movie route, I haven't seen that, but the fact that like it's basically all animals, and when there are humans on screen, they kind of talk with a kind of kind of they don't actually speak. I'd have been more happy with that and have it be ninety minutes of little vignettes of the minions getting into hijinks around New. I'll agree with that. Yeah, that would have been a better film than them going on an adventure to please. You know the, the 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 villain of all villains. Uh, that just didn't work for me. Um, there, it, it it started to unravel a little bit, and the the thing that made Minions entertaining was the Minions. You don't have to then give me other other characters that you're then going to give a name and try and almost go, oh look. Here's another toy you've got to get. I don't care. I'll happily have 50 different minions. And that worked quite well uh, with them. But it was then it started to unravel. But when it's just them doing stupid stuff, that's funny. Mm, mm. Um, so it, I didn't. I definitely didn't hate minions at all. I just it 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 it, it didn't almost it almost it didn't have enough minions. The bits where it ran out of its where it ran out of steam, I was like don't give a shit, was when you were trying to show me characters that weren't these three characters. You know, I'd have happily seen them. I'd have happily been better with them spending more time in that department store than going to London. Because that would have been funny. Okay, fair enough. We've not come to blows on that then. I kind of agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but, you know... It's saved by the fact that it, it, it it's sensible enough to get in and get shit done, and it's a little bit fucking mental. Yes, like yes, it certainly it, is. It's a little bit, it's a little bit mental. Mm. So go on then. What, what else have you got to throw at us? Uh, yeah, so I just got two more. Um, uh, Alex Gibney's latest. Oh, well, no, probably not latest because he seem, seems to make films all the bloody time. I only talked about the Steve Jobs one a couple of weeks back, but um, Going Clear, the uh, Scientology documentary, which uh, was actually on Sky Atlantic last week, um, it, it survived a legal challenge. 
um, and got shown in the Church of Scientology to try and block it. But um, yeah, um, I did watch this like uh, over a week ago now. I watched this after we were done recording last Sunday. So I am a little foggy. I, I, there is a review on um, VOD Zilla. Um, oh, I'm actually going to be on the VOD Zilla podcast this week talking about Mad Max as well. Actually, oh, nice. I, I will just say, um, yeah, Ivan, uh, the kind of the, the owner of the site, uh, just started a podcast last week. So um, yeah, I'll be on there talking a bit about Mad Max with him tomorrow. Um, anyway, um, yeah, uh, chilling, frankly. Um, it shows us that yeah, Scientology is very silly. It's bloody ridiculous. It makes Tom Cruise look like a fucking madman. Um, like just some of the footage of Tom Cruise in this is amazing. And they it, they gave Tom Cruise some sort of award and did a 35 minute long celebratory video of Tom Cruise and played it at this ceremony. Okay. And um, it's. I, I like seriously some of the footage that they've they've got from like the Scientology celebrations and stuff. It's insane, but it shows us that yeah, you can laugh at them, but also you need to be wary of them. It talks about that like how cash rich they are and you know how much property they they have around the world and you know how hardcore they can get about um, uh, ostracizing people. You know you've got. There's an interview with this one lady who basically she's been been in the church for decades, brought up her, her her family in it, and she left the church. And when that happens, the the church says to its members that they um uh they that people should disconnect from ex members. And you've got this woman basically being told by her daughter that she will never see her or her granddaughter ever again, basically. Mm. Um, and and it's it's things like that where it's re- like the really human kind of cost of it yeah. um, comes through. It's kind of interesting as well because um, this film was kind of like notable in the lead up to it because um, it had it's got extensive interview material with Paul Haggis, who's yeah. basically like the highest profile m- member to kind of leave and speak out about it. Um, he doesn't actually get all that much to do in this, and he, he like he kind of almost sees the darkly comic side of it a little bit too much where it's, it's almost, and he's also kind of saying like, well, you know, I didn't really believe any of this shit. I'm just reading it. Like when, when, when you find out that Zeno, he was just reading it like, really? You know, well, I suppose I'm getting good good kind of psychiatric counseling out of it, but really? And, you know, he's kind of playing it up a bit too much in the, the light way kind of laughing at it to dismiss it. Whereas the more powerful stuff in it is being very, very serious about it and not to dismiss it, but to kind of show how harmful it can be. Um, I really, I, I really liked it. It's um, fucking chilling. Um, but thankfully it doesn't seem like it's taken too much of a grip, but it kind of feels like something that's insidious. Like if they're building up their property portfolio and stuff, you know, they could be, like making influence through land grabs, yeah. you know. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I recommend it. Um, and I'm I'm looking forward to watching it. I, I think it's a it's a very sort of strange thing the way that, that people have kind of you know cottoned on and, and tagged on to uh, to Scientology. It it, it 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 does seem to be almost the the kind of the poster child for the anti cult 
um, societies, you know, and it kind of, it, it, it's strange that people seem to very much sort of single that out as this is, these, these guys are fucking dangerous, you know, when really you could, ha- you could throw a lot of kind of, actually a lot of organized religion, which essentially is what that is. It's a little bit fucking, it's a little bit madder than a lot of organized religions. But then again, you know, you've got to look at a lot of organized religion and look at how fucking mad it is. It's just, it's been around a lot longer and we grew up with it. And generation after generation after generation after generation have grown up with it. You know, in fucking 2,000 years time, is Scientology going to see, you know, so much fucking weirder than a guy who died and, you know, then was reborn and became the fucking you know, the master of all society. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've got to pretty these concepts. I, I, I do find it fascinating that it, it, it seems to be such a fucking, a touch for people, to be honest. It, it is really strange. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting because they show how in the lower levels and like when, before the whole Xenu thing kind of came out, you were only told about Xenu and kind of like the secret background of it when you went up to like level seven or level eight or something like that. And by then you're already like tens of thousands of dollars deep. But before that, it, it, it's kind of just essentially kind of a way of counseling uh, where like they get people to kind of talk about their dark moments and whatnot. And then they have this meter and it's like they're kind of showing that like people are basically erasing the thoughts from their from their bodies essentially um and you know people find it, it i mean it it seems like it's, it's a mix of the talking cure with a bunch of bullshit yeah um you know so that that stuff's interesting it shows how it is attractive to people who just want help basically um but um you know as they go up the levels and they learn these secret origins and it, it just gets crazier and crazier and, and there's this amazing footage amazing footage of um this announcement at this massive like conference in this like sports arena um that they've they've been declared a a religion and they're really excited because it basically means that they don't have to like pay tax on their contributions (laughs) to the cause and it is like it's like the what they're like all these things are flashing up on the screen saying the war is over we did it (laughs) it's just and all these people going mental because of their like the the fact they're going to save tax it's 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 insane it's insane um and so i mean gibney does like show how stupid it is but he he does also talk about the human cost it's it's very well balanced um, apart from paul haggis uh so yeah i very much recommend it yeah good i'm looking forward to watching that yeah, it, it doesn't feel as much of a hit piece as Man, uh, Man in the Machine did. So, you know, um, and my last thing. Um, so I was on UK Netflix on, on the train to work the other day. I was like, oh, I just want to stick something easy on to watch. Oh, yeah, this will do. Days of Thunder. Oh, I, I do know what. I haven't seen Days of Thunder since like, ITV in the fucking early 90s. Yeah, it's got it's got to be like... 20 probably more than 20 years since i last watched days of thunder um please tell me please tell me it's magnificent oh man i mean it's a lot of fun i mean it's it's shit but it's a lot of fun 
it Hans Zimmer's score is some fucking like fist pumping delight. Like it's it's a really good cast as well. Yeah, the cast is insane. Um, I mean, you got Tom Cruise having a wheelchair race with Michael Rooker. Um, you got Tom Cruise obviously shorter than Nicole Kidman for the whole film. You know, I mean, like it's 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 kind of cool actually seeing Tom Cruise just be like, yeah, I'm short. Which he, you know he dropped pretty quickly, but um, I think it was, yeah, wasn't it after this movie? Yeah, I think it probably was. Um, it looks weird, but also kind of cool that he, you know, I, but I think it only looks weird because now you're used to seeing Tom Cruise pretend to be tall, um, and you know, hey, Nicole Kidman's bloody tall, so what, what do you expect? Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's Robert Duvall doing the the, the crotchety thing, um, but I like. I like the development of the story where, um, you know, it, it starts out quite quick that, you know, he's a, a, a good driver. But early on, there's signs of fragility in there that, you know, he kind of confesses to like he, he doesn't start his career very well with Robert Duvall. And it turns out it's because he doesn't really know a lot about cars. He knows how to drive the car but he doesn't know a lot about cars so when robert deval's like saying on the radio like what's wrong tom cruise can't put his finger on it he gets frustrated and he lashes out so it's this whole kind of thing about like a man child um kind of learning to open up and to actually like ask for help and uh and, and and that kind of thing but it does it in 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 little stages through the film that kind of builds up to his big like mental block that he has to overcome after his accident and um it's actually really well done. Um, it's a it's a better story than I I think it's remembered for generally. Because um, obviously it was like Tony Scott and Tom Cruise coming trying to come back together and trying to capture the zeitgeist of um, like Top Gun again, that kind of like lightning not striking twice kind of thing. And I, I, it feels like a film that's been forgotten. It is. Uh, it, it, it's a film that you, that you get the feeling that. Um, the making of it would make a would make a very good documentary because it, it, it literally was apparently Tony Scott was was enjoying being on set. We'll say. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. You. Could, yeah. I don't doubt that actually. Um, but I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, what does kind of hurt it? NASCAR is not very thrilling. Um, you know, it's people going around and around in a circle, and it's oh, Ameri- American listeners, we we, we apologise for Ian's comments there. Oh, fucking what? Whatever. Um. But yeah, it is literally, I, I, I you know, it, it is an incredibly successful sport that I, I can't, I cannot understand. No, no. The ones where you've got to be there. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I'm sure for like the atmosphere and the whole kind of experience of the whole day, I'm sure it is a lot of fun, but I... I don't get motorsports. I, the thing is, I get Formula One because, you know, it's not just going around in a big circle. Um, I just can't get it. I, 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 it's, it's one of those things, motorsports... I just they just do nothing for me. No, fair enough, fair enough. Spot movies. So. Yeah, but there, there you go. Um, I and and I mean like the, but the action scenes are, are still pretty well done. But the whole, it's interesting. There's like one bit of skill that's talked about in Days of Thunder quite a lot. In a scene that I think Michael Bay kind of ripped off for Armageddon. There's a, a scene where Tom Cruise is, um, demonstrating. He's just fucked Nicole Kidman for the first time. And he's demonstrating a drafting, I think it's called. And he's using, like, sugar packets on her leg. And it's just, like, fast forward to Armageddon, and you've got Ben Affleck, like, playing with animal crackers on 
Liv Tyler on Liv Tyler, and it's just like wow, that's like the way it's set up and the way it's shot. It just really feels similar to me. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and his relationship with Nicole Kidman in it as well is is not the best either. Like she she basically is like, I'm not going to date you. I'm not going to date you. I'm not going to date you. Oh, I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. Oh, I'm annoyed with you. I'm annoyed with you. Oh, I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. Arc end. You know, it's more it's more about him and and Robert Duval. And you know, Robert Duval's got some um, uh, um, shit in his attic, you know, to deal with as well. So it it kind of feels like Nicole Kidman was kind of shoved in there because Tom Cruise wanted to fuck her basically. So, um, uh, but yeah, probably true. Yeah, 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 and fair enough as well. But um, so yeah, Days of Thunder. Um, it's fun. I mean, uh, it, it's Tony Scott's kind of signature thing. I will say it doesn't particularly look 80s um tony scott tony scott's aesthetic after the hunger i i think could just as easily fit in the 90s as it could the 80s um and i think this is late 80s but it, it mid eight, mid eight, late 80s released uh 90 i think oh really okay well yeah i suppose that makes sense but it's got it's got the tony scott sheen on it which you 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 know you got in the 90s as well Oh, so yeah, Days of Thunder um, held up really well for me. Uh, it's not, I mean, it's not amazing, but I, I had a really good time watching it. Right. Oh, and Carrie Car- Car- Elwes is a motherfucker as well. He doesn't get much to do, and he's basically just evil shit number three. But he's very boo hiss. I think I might have to rewatch this at some point this week, actually. Nice, uh, cool. Yes, so um, I think we do have a question. I think um, from. Let me just find it. Do uh, yes, uh, Rick Kid uh, at Rick uh, J Kid. Um, with the exception of the obvious, what films are you looking forward to in the remaining three months of 2015? Oh, right, well, what's obvious? Um, say things like Bond and Star Wars and wait, Hateful Eight. I think you probably have to put into that, won't you? Yeah. Okay. Um. What am I looking forward to? What am I looking forward to? I mean, I'm looking forward to The Martian, but that's next week. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to um, what's it called? The one with Ben Mendelsohn and Ryan Reynolds. Uh, oh, Mississippi Grind. Yeah, that's out in uh, I think later on this uh, next month. Um, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, to actors that I, I really like. Um, and it's, um, it's a, a gambling movie, another one that I really like. Uh, the Lobster, looking forward to that. Oh, yep. Um, Sicario. Oh, yes. Next, um, week, next week after, yeah. Very, yeah. Much, very much looking forward to that. Crimson Peak the week after that. Yes, again, uh, another one. Uh, I'm looking forward to Black Mass, actually. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if if Johnny Depp can, you know, refine his groove a little bit. Yeah, I'll watch it. I, I'm not I'm not super, super looking forward to it, if I'm honest, but, I'm, I, you know, yeah, yeah, why not? Um I still don't think it'll come out for the end of this year, but the new Gaspar Noé movie. Um, oh, love. Yeah. I, yeah. But I, you know, Gaspar Noé is one of those a little bit like Terence Malick where I'll believe the film is going to come out when I am sat in my seat with a ticket in my hand for that movie. Hmm. Um, yeah, nice. Before, um, no, I don't believe it exists. Um, Steve Jobs, I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Steve Jobs, actually. Yeah, that's, um, um, you know, the, the, what was the one we we, we talked about? Um, Big Shot. All right. 
Oh, the the the, the big short. Big short. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah Looking yeah. forward to that. Um, I could see it getting that in January. However, anywhere. Twenty second uh, of January. Yeah. Twenty second is it January? Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- th- there's those to be honest. I mean, I'm I'm not. I'm actually really quite looking forward to the Bond one, which is strange because I've not really looked forward to a Bond movie um, ever, I don't think, really. I'm, I'm looking forward to the fact that's out on a Monday. I'm going to go see a Bond film on a Monday. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm, but I'm looking forward to, to it. It looks, it looks really fucking good. Um, um, and, but the other kind of more obvious ones that are coming out, I'm not really... They, they're happening, and I will go and see them. But I, I can't say I'm, I'm massively looking forward to Star Wars. I'm, but I'm hoping it'll be good for everybody. Um, the Hunger Games. I'm just glad that it's going to be finished because it seems like it, it seems like a, a, a franchise that, that's that's got sick of itself a little bit. <laughs> like like it, 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 it's just released itself to go. Look, we're done. All right, we're done. Okay. Because uh, mm. it, it kind of has to promote itself. <laughs> Oh, do you know what? Finding Dory, 29th of July next year. Yeah, if that's a you, I'll take Lottie to see that. Sorry. Yeah, <coughs> it's a good one to go for, I suppose. It'll be a good one for, for a child. Yes. Uh, yes. But yeah, no, good good shit coming up, actually, yeah. It, 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 it's nice the fact that, that, that literally, literally every week there is at least one film. It's sometimes two, which brings us nicely segued into what are we covering next week here? Um, what are we doing next week? Um, oh, we're doing um, uh, the Martian. We're going to do the Martian. Cool. Yeah. Why? What do you want to do? Oh, no, I, I, I'm going to see Macbeth anyway, but I'll happily go and see the Martian as well. Yeah, I've, I'm only going to have time for one. Um, and, and if you'd prefer to do Martian, I will happily do Martian because I, I, I might go and see Macbeth um, a week today. So that would, you know, it gives me that little bit of grace to not. Feel yeah. Like yeah, I'd, I'm out of the two. I'd rather go see The Martian. Yeah, cool. No, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'll, I'll, I'll happily go and see. There's actually there's three films I won't mind seeing uh, this week um, that are out this week that I will maybe go and see over the next few weeks. Okay, cool, man. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy to do The Martian because um, I actually really like the last trailer. Really like the last trailer. Um, it's, 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 it's made me go, oh, brilliant. Yeah, and, and I'm looking forward to another Ridley Scott film that I hope this time doesn't fucking chronically disappoint me. Yeah, well, uh, people are saying it's like his best one in fucking ages, so here's hoping, eh? Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed for that. So, yes, we'll be covering that on the next episode, plus our usual. I'm going to try and actually watch some fucking films this week, uh, which is going to be nice. Nice. Um, So, yes, that was episode 128. We we hope you enjoyed it, uh, and we shall speak to you next week, guys. Indeed. Bye-bye.